and welcome to episode 5 of the Ultra Low ISO Club, an almost weekly podcast with hosts Edward Conde, Jason Konopinski, and Michael Bartosik. We spend an hour each week chatting with members of the Ultra Low ISO Club Facebook group, and our guest today is Master Zine Maker Ian Nutt. This week, we cover our usual broad range of subjects, but focus mostly on the Kodak 2238 Project Zine. So grab your copy of the zine and follow along with us as Ian gives us some insight into the layout, image pairings, and the overall feel of the zine. So without further ado, welcome to ULIC, Ian Nutt. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm Ian Nutt, uh, Barnaby Nutt for most of the things I do online, so my blog uh, Flick, uh, Instagram, that sort of stuff's all Barnaby Not. Barnaby is my middle name, and it's just uh, a little bit more um, unique. If you t- if you Google Ian Not, you'll get a, I think it's American football coach or a cancer scientist or something, you know, people like that. If you Google Barnaby Not, you'll get me. Um, so I tend to use that. Um, been shooting film for since probably about 2013 I think I picked it back up again when I got given a Bronica kit and uh, a box of expired film and sort of um, got back into it then uh, I've done all this sort of usual stuff that people do you know try lots of different films lots of different cameras bought bought loads of things sold loads of things and you know been through the usual sort of life cycle that we've all done um couple of years ago probably significant things that i've done is uh, a couple of years ago i did the um the 52 rolls project and got halfway through 52 rolls and ca- and did a ca- kind of blog post about these are my favorite 26 images from the first half of the year and every single picture looked different you know there was there was color there was black and white there was expired there was cross-processed there was medium format of state five mil it was all sorts it just looked a mess so at that point i decided i was going to kind of slim down sell off sell off as much as it could um work on choosing a couple of film stocks and a couple of cameras and kind of sticking with those and that'd be that'd be me moving forwards just to try and get more of a kind of signature look or you know just a some just just to practice my craft a little bit more and 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 just um, um kind of boil it down to what i was interested in instead of just being kind of jack of all trades and master of none um yeah, so that that's kind of gone okay, I think, over the last couple of years. I've tended to, I've ended up with a couple of TLRs, uh, a Leica M6, and that's pretty much it. So, from a film point of view, tend to use FP4 Porter 400 as my color and black and white choices, and for the stuff that I shoot, that's um, you know that's that's kind of me. Um, the other key thing that's happened kind of 18 months ago i moved from the uk where i lived all my life for you know 40 plus years i upped and moved to ireland and the west coast of ireland where um you know it's pretty quiet it's pretty rural um just listening to you guys talking about your local thrift store and, and bumping into the kodak rep and all that sort of stuff none of that happened in the west coast of ireland <laughs> Um, so I think since then, in the last 18 months, I've really kind of struggled to find what my photographic um, mojo, you know, it just, I just seem to have all the things that I used to shoot back in the UK aren't here anymore, you know, so I'm having to kind of learn all over again, um, which has been interesting, you know, I've, it's meant that I've done a few projects that... Um, you know, to try and force myself into situations, to get to meet people, to get to kind of network and, and just find things to photograph. Um, so I kind of volunteered to do stuff and got involved in projects. 
And I guess the 2238 project came out of that same sort of mindset. You know, um, I happened to be on Facebook at the time when Michael posted the original um, kind of post out there um, and thought, yeah, that's a way of it's a way of meeting people, albeit, you know, most of those were going to be remote and dotted around the world. But it was a way of just kind of connecting with um, like-minded folks. So um, signed up to do it. And as, as, as it turned out, another one of the guys that was in the 2238 project is actually from kind of 15 miles down the road. Um, um, bizarre sort of um, fluke, uh, a guy called David Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of what led me to the 2238 project. Um, and uh, yeah, I was, I was delighted to be, be part of it. Um, I've made a, made a few zines over the years of my own work. Uh, a couple of collaborations and then sort of three of my own. And uh, so had got a few ideas and kind of, uh, you know, a bit of experience on, on creating zines. So as the project kind of moved in that direction and we started, you know, 2238, it looked like we needed a, a kind of end result. Then uh, I, I offered my services and my experience a little bit to, to Michael to, um, to help out with that. Nice. Excellent. I will say this, Ian, that you and I have much more in common as to how, like, the places in which we live compared to Ed and Michael. I live in a small town in Pennsylvania, so I think you and I have much more of an affinity uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, geographically yeah. than, the, than the rest of the group. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely been a shock to the system moving out here. I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful place to live. You know, it's a place that people travel thousands of miles to come on holiday, and I have it all on my doorstep. But, uh, yeah, you, at the same time, I don't get to see traveling bands that I might have seen back in the UK or, or photography shows or, you know, if I, if I want, I can't nip to the local bookshop and, and have a, have a selection of uh, photographic art to choose from. For example, I've got to order all that stuff online. So it's, it, it just takes a bit of getting used to, and, uh, mm. you know, you know, it's, it's taken us a while to kind of come to terms with it a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll say this too, Ian, that um, of of everyone who is in the the two two three eight group, it, it, it would appear um, that you have the most experience in producing products. And uh-huh. I think that's one that I that I um, really appreciate about your your participation in the project is bringing that forward and kind of steering the ship to okay, it's great that we shot this film stock um and then be able to you know hurt all the kittens and bake it into this beautiful i hesitate to call it a zine because it's so beautiful as i'm sitting holding it in my hands <laughs> no yeah. I'm, I'm 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 pleased the, the best thing about any of these projects whether it's my own or doing this this one for the 2238 is just the feedback it is well there's, there's two key things the first the first magical moment is when you cut open the box and take it out and have a look at it so have a look at that work in physical form for the first time that's fantastic but then when you start sending them out and they start arriving in you know all around the world and you, you start getting that feedback and how thrilled people are to see their own pictures in print uh, and a lot of guys who've, who've never been involved in this sort of thing have never uh, never even seen the pictures kind of printed and alongside other people's work. They've never been in an exhibition or things like that. Uh, mm. Just to get that feedback from folks has just been just been lovely. Uh, so yeah, I was I was delighted to play that small part in it. Mm. What led to the to the uh, production of your first zine? You know, it just was was there a moment that you went, okay, it's great to be making this work and 
sharing it in some capacity, but was what was the motivation, the driver to take it into that next level of physical form that exists beyond single print? Yeah, so the, the first one was a was a collaboration. It was me and a couple of guys. So one one Polish guy and a, a, a fellow from the Czech Republic, and we were invited to to stage an exhibition by a, a kind of curator guy in, in Poland who heard a story that the three of us had met um, via Flickr, and we'd all been to the to visit the the Polish member of the trio. We'd all been been to his place. And wander around his city and photographed it, and 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 this curator kind of heard this story and thought it was a good story and said, "Well, you know, I've got some space. I've got a I've got a wall and a bar that uh, you can come and hang the hang the pictures. Um, so so organize yourself into a sort of exhibition." And he did all the promotion, did the you know produced a, a kind of flyer for it and had a had a massive network of of people who would be interested in in any show that he put on. And so he, he put on a, uh, an exhibition for us, and I thought, well, you know, we need a we need a product or some sort of not not a product. We need a some kind of momentum, some sort of thing to keep to, as a lasting sort of memory of this collaboration and this project. So, yeah, set out. I, I started from zero, really. Um, I mean, I've got a I've got a decent collection of photo books, and I've bought zines over the years. But yeah, just kind of. Um, went out and found where the suppliers were and got some sample packs of papers and, you know, just learned all the lessons that you need to learn to, to start putting these things together. So that was my work and these two other guys uh, and a few kind of words from each of us just, just as a bit of text and that was it. And it was really, really simple, straightforward sort of zine. Um, Which zine is this, Ian? It was called um, No Constructive Conclusions with the project. Mm. Now we've uh, we so we've sold a few to people kind of straight after the exhibition. I mean, there was only probably fifty or maybe seventy-five copies of that made. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so so and that was kind of that that went out to people in the area and friends of, of ours. So it wasn't a lot of it wasn't shot on film either. So it's 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 interesting that this this whole kind of film market and community is is separate to, to digital um something that uh that's, that's been talked about in a few podcasts just lately that one of the reasons that people shoot film is because there is a community and there is a there's a, there's a sort of market for shooting film you know if you if you take some good cool film shots you can share them in negative positives or or that maybe the the ultra low ISO groups and places like that. If you shoot digital stuff, then I don't have any of those same sort of communities or the same networks for, or, or, or sort of platforms for sharing digital stuff. Um, and yeah, this, this scene was an example of that. You know, none of the, I didn't kind of sell it to the film community because it wasn't film for the most part. There was some film work in there, but not, not a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you feel like um, do, do you feel like now with the inroads you have in the film community, if you made a mixed zine, that that people would be supportive of it, or do, or do you feel like they they really yeah. only want to support film? No, I think I think now, yeah, I think I've I've made enough connections with people that um, yeah, people probably would be interested in it, even if it was even if it was all digital. I think because 
Um, but 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 if if I was coming from this the other way around, if I had a a zine of digital work, or even you know just I was on Twitter and I posted some digital pictures, there's kind of you know there's there's, there's less cool hashtags. There's not a kind of believe in digital or a <laughs> shoot digital be nice or anything like that. No? Digital still alive. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it, it'll it'll come at some point. <laughs> I think you we should I mean? create that hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> digital's digital i'm still here yeah <laughs> digital's not dead <laughs> yeah yeah it just just feels like there's a as i say there's a kind of market for market's the wrong word because that implies that it's all about selling it there's just a kind of there's an audience maybe is a, is a better better way of saying it um, no i that that's my sense i think i think your use of the word audience is probably spot on for that right there's just it's it's interesting to me how some people really just want to follow other film photographers yeah and and i'm like i kind of get it and at the same time i kind of don't because like interesting work is interesting and the medium to me is i mean i certainly love film myself but i just think if it's cool work it's cool work i don't you know I'm kind of just blown away by the work and less by the medium although yeah. sometimes right the medium does mm. make it more interesting because you're like wow you did that with a point and shoot camera that's impressive if you did it with an iPhone it would be different yeah or you did it with a 6 ISO film <laughs> yeah I wonder to that point Michael and Ian um, I wonder how much of that is a reaction to the the lack of community that surrounds digital. It's not so much the 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 medium, but it's the the bad taste in their their mouth that they, you know, this is this is the 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 dark bender underbelly of the internet where you see it on YouTube or you see it on Flickr occasionally, where you know it becomes such a gear centric conversation, and that there is this. Um, this vibe of kind of peering down down your nose if you're if you're uh, not shooting the newest and best, um, and I I'm happy to never have been in been on that hamster wheel, and I see uh, and I wonder how much of it is a reaction against that, you know that there is this that we're we're self selecting our audiences that we're finding ourselves fo- following other film photographers and choosing not to follow digital photographers because of that bad experience in the past or this perception of a bad experience in the past. Not that one medium is superior to the other. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never had that bad experience. I mean, I've heard people talk about it and I've heard about the, you know, don't go to this forum or don't, don't share on that platform. But yeah, I've not had that experience and, that, and therefore, you know, don't, don't carry that baggage. But yeah. Um, I think because I think it's maybe the other way around that the, the, the film community is so positive for the most part and and kind of keen to learn because because there are people coming back to it at such a rate. There's always new people around who are interested in stuff because it's new to them, you know. Um, and maybe that's kind of died away a little bit with digital, mm-hmm. and it's become more of a sort of race, as you say. Yeah. But, but there's should... you know on on Facebook there's that 35 millimeter group that. They are just ruthless. Oh, really? um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they they will they they throw the hammer down on you, um, you know, and they're very um, yeah. Ruthless is a, is a good word for how that group is. I mean, and and so 
Um, and I've been on digital forums and that kind of stuff. There are some, yeah, where it's just all, you know, if you're not shooting the best, then, you know, get out of here. Very similar to how I see, uh, and sorry for you Leica shooters, but not all of you are this way, but there are some Leica shooters are very snobby regarding anyone else shooting non-Leica cameras. Um, so it does happen in the film community as well. Um, but, and, you know, and just a little bit defense on the digital side, just because I'm also, you know, I'm a hybrid shooter. There are certain groups where it's very similar to film. Not many. I would say there's not many because there's, for some reason, there's the sense of competition that I see on the digital side that I rarely see on the, on the film side. Um, and it just could be just because of this whole renaissance of film and everyone coming back to it. And, but we don't know how it was before then, before digital, it was even the mainstream. How were the folks then? Maybe it's, the, it's possibly it's the same folks that were shooting film back in the 80s and 90s who never shared any of their secrets, moved over to digital and continued that same trend. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say we can't really put all digital groups in one basket saying that this is the way they are, but because there are some film groups that way. And I know Michael has seen, uh, we've seen, I, I, I've seen some of your posts on there on 35 millimeter and, and I've reacted to some of the stuff. And even, even my, um, uh, Mac McDonald, he, I remember him putting a post up there and says, please, you know, let me know what you guys think. And they, you know, there's one dude who was just completely ruthless and is just like, really dude. You know, it's just, you know, you can give criticism and, you know, but you can constructive criticism uh, on something on how to do things better when somebody's just asking you for that. But he just laid into it. The nice thing about it was there was plenty of other people that was like, dude, you're being a, a jackass, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. you know, but, you you know, you also see that also in the um, on the digital side. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's. Uh, there's weird. I'll just call them weirdos for lack of a better word, or just to be nice. <laughs> There's weirdos on both spectrums. Yeah. Um, some people. Yeah, just don't, take, don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm, yeah. I, I, I shoot as much digital as I do film, and, and probably more so. Um, but it, it, I, they, as I say, I just tend to share them in in different ways. You know, film. Usually on on Instagram, it's my film stuff, and. Yep. Um, obviously yeah. there's some really cool Facebook groups that I can drop stuff in there and usually on Twitter yeah. again with the hashtags it's, it's film stuff and um, the digital yeah. things tend to yeah. you know I don't tend to share them as much for sure right yeah yeah I mean there's definitely more love coming from the film community than there is from the digital community that I can't say so so Ian before we before we jump too far into the, the Kodak scene I, I kind of wanted to um, to just to compliment you on, uh, is it for Fabrica? Is that how you say it? How yeah, you know? yeah, um, Fabrica. Man, like for, for anyone listening, and and I don't know if if Jason and Ed have seen this zine, but this thing is like, this is a it's a beautiful zine, and 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 I love it because I had this really great experience where I was like flipping through the first handful of pages, and you know it's just like I'm just admiring the images. And it sort of has this industrial, almost post-apocalyptic industrial feel. And I don't know, 
I've never quite had this similar experience with something as I'm flipping through somebody's work, but you get about, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 images in, and then there's a shot, and in that shot there's a plane in the sky, and it's like, it made me realize in that moment that I was flipping you know, through this thing feeling like this was an abandoned world, right? Like, mm. and, and the second I saw that plane, it like hit me like, oh my God, this is, this is the world that we live in and there's still people in it and it's still active. And, you know, it's always implied because the, obviously the photographer was there to take the photo, but for a, for a handful of minutes, I was transported to this other space where I felt like I was seeing something that was devoid of humans. And it was just a, it was a really nice experience. And I wanted to compliment you on the way you've laid this thing out and, and giving me that experience through, through this vision. Um, and I, I can't remember if this is just your work or if it's a combination of work, but it's a, it's a beautiful moody, um, set of images in here. I really love it. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, it's just my stuff and I wish I could take credit for having planned it that that, <laughs> that aircraft appears partway through and kind of brings you back to reality but um, no it was it was uh, so, so as a as I look through the sort of five zines that I've made that's the one that kind of stands out and that's the one that I keep ordering more copies of because you know I'm, I'm really pleased with it and um, the, there are still people interested in it um, which is great and I've sold probably 300 copies of that by now um, wow, that's and it's, uh, yeah. It's, I'm I'm really proud of it. There's a, there's a couple of things I've changed. I, I might not tell you what those are, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was kind of five or six years worth of work um, collected together. Um, so the the story to it for the, for people who aren't aren't familiar, um, it was about. So I worked in a factory. I worked in the same factory for sort of 25 years back in the UK before I left, and. Um, obviously had a relationship with the, with the people there, you know, the, the kind of colleagues that you work with and their, and their lives and you see their kids grow up and all that sort of stuff. But the thing that interested me, interested me was that you have a similar relationship with the, with the actual building itself. Um, so the fact that you walk through the same door every morning and you, you, you know, you do the same sort of stuff over and over again for so many years, as I say, you, you develop this sort of relationship with, with bricks and with, with door handles and with, with, with kind of the fabric of the, of the building. Mm. And then, um, particularly traveling to Southern Poland and, um, bit, so, so that, that zine shot in, in Poland, the Czech Republic, and in the UK, and particularly Poland, the the kind of abandoned um, infrastructure is just left to kind of crumble. In, in the UK, because of the lack of space and probably because there's a little bit more money around, if, if something um, begins to fall down, it will be demolished and the site will be cleared and it's kind of, it's a brownfield site ready for redevelopment. Whereas in Poland, these things will tend to just stand there crumbling for, for, for decades. Um, and, and so I, I explored a few of these sites and realized that these were sites that people would have had those same kind of connections to and would have come through those doors every day and into those buildings. And it just, it really kind of struck me and it really, it felt important that it, to, you know, that was the kind of seed. And then the, the, the pictures are just trying to, um, 
trying to show some of those spaces and those um, those bits of, of buildings that that uh, that you know nowadays are crumbling into dust and and would would once have been full of people and full of people living their lives and earning cash for their families and whatever else it was you know having their careers and and and, and things within and and now they're just kind of being abandoned so yeah um, that was the the kind of source of the work that shot on. Uh, a, a mixture of digital and film. Um, I processed it to look like film, like so. There's there's a couple of shots that were that were FP4, and so most of it's been processed back to look like it, like look like FP4. Um, but I think it kind of adds to the mood. You know, all, all the shots were in winter. There's no kind of clear sunny days, and um, it, it all adds to the mood that I was trying to create with it. Um, but yeah, so, so particularly, so the other thing that you learn from doing zines or for, from making zines is that it starts starts to teach you about sequencing pictures and um, you know what works on a page opposite another and why why you might want to um, kind of pace. A, a book so you, you you don't want all your good stuff at the start and you don't want to you know you might want to you might want to tell a little bit of a story and lead people along a, along a path and then maybe drop something in that that, that switches um, switches the direction that it's headed and the only way that you're going to do that is by creating a book you know if you if you're if you're creating all this work and taking these pictures and storing them on the hard drive and even printing them individually that's all great but to start you thinking about how they fit into a wider body of work i think creating a zine or even a book is 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 a fantastic way to do that um so fabrica was the first time that i really got in really got into that and started thinking more about that sort of thing and then obviously you've got to think about what sort of paper you're going to use and are you going to put a cover on it and and what the cover is going to look like and all that other stuff that that just adds to your photographic practice i think just by just by allowing you to think about about more than just taking the picture and, and having a single end result um yeah have you guys got any experience in that kind of thing have you um produced work in in a similar sort of way yeah i've um i i did one early um mostly it was it was a the kind of first step for me to getting my work into physical form outside of individual prints and so i you know i realized that i was in this Oh, I'm going to put it together. I'm going to put it together and put it together, and really gave myself a space of a, of a few hours to go through, you know, a large Lightroom uh, catalog and go, okay, this is going to work, and this is going to work, and this is going to work, and didn't have really high expectations on what the final pro- what it was actually going to look like. Um, it was the exercise in actually taking it to completion, and so I had that one done on Blurb, and um, you know, I sold. I think I ordered 20 copies and I think I've sold 15 of them um, and probably gave the rest away. But again, I imagine, I imagine that process of uh, editing the, the Lightroom catalogs down to a sensible number of pages. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's really difficult. And, and it was one of the things that was easier about the 2238 zine was that I didn't have to choose, you know. <laughs> People sent me right. their, their favorite two pictures and that was it. That was always going to be the number of pictures. Um, so 
you know, because occasionally it will happen that the picture that you're particularly proud of just doesn't fit with the rest of the rest of the work that you want to put in the in the mm-hmm. book, and you'll have to you'll have to kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And occasionally, the, the opposite will work, um, where you don't have the one or two images that are going to make sense of another body of work, if you see what I mean. So I've got a couple of Lightroom catalogs on the go at the, at the moment, one for the nighttime work that I do a lot of. And they're, they're potential future books or zines or whatever, but at the moment there's just something missing you know there's just so there's lots of nice pictures but there, there needs to be something more than just a collection of pictures you know there's, there's got to be a some some sort of story or some sort of thread that runs through and uh yeah and and in particularly in that nighttime one that, that springs to mind again i've got i've got more than enough pictures to fill a book but but there are just lots of pictures of at, at night of, of you know of, of the things that i tend to shoot taken at night and they just it just needs one or two and i've got some ideas and i know what they're going to look like i just need to get out and shoot them but um yeah so it, yeah actually making the book i think is really powerful to teach you about when a when a body of work is is complete or in a in a in a form at a level that is that's good to share with people. Mm. Ed, what was your experience like? And then now that you have layover under your belt, and now that the the half frame is out in existence. Um. Well, with layover, I I. You know, I was just shooting, you know, that was because I was stuck in the airport and stuff like that for a few hours and stuff. So I was just concentrating on just shooting whatever I can see in the airport. Um, I and even in the also even for um, the half frame zine, um, I just shot a year worth of half frame shots. And then I kind of just grouped them by uh, city. Um I've never had to, I've never gone back to any of my old work and try to put something together. I think um, that would be, that would be huge. Um, I think that would be, um, I don't think I could do that. I I don't know if I would have the patience or, or even just try to um, categorize the images to try to make a Z. Uh, Because a lot of my old work um, going back to 2011 is mostly it's like half digital, half film by now. Um, but I just don't think I, I don't think I could do that. I, I don't know if I have, would have the time and, and really the patience to go back and try to put a zine together and try to try to do what you guys were talking about. Um, but as far as layover and the half frame stuff, I purposely after layover for at least the half frame, I purposely shot out. I purposely shot in a way that. Um, I was the end result was going to be a zine or and prints and that kind of stuff. Um, so, so I, I shot I shot thinking that already as opposed to you know a lot of my old stuff. I never thought about doing a zine. I didn't even know about zines until film until I got into film shooting. You know, I, I did a book of my kid. You know, you know, at, at the beginning of, you know, because that's kind of what got me into shooting, into just photography altogether. My first kid, and um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah, not I sure. If, I'm, I'm not sure anyone would want to see my old stuff. 
that's the other thing too, because I, I think kind of what you were saying, Ian, is just to, you know, something to tell a story and that kind of stuff. Though I'm not always aiming to tell a story, but, um, you know, with this half frame one or even the layover one, you know, the story was for layover was, I was just, I was just there at the airport. And instead of just sitting and listening to podcasts or radio or, or sleeping until the plane came, I, I continued shooting, you know, and just trying to uh, capture whatever, you know, capture my time as I was there waiting for the plane mm-hmm. um, and that kind of stuff. And then also the same, you know, uh, half all my half frame stuff was a little bit more different just because that was more deliberate. I never knew that I was going to make a zine out of layover until I saw the images and I saw how things were progressed in, in, in those, uh, you know, from my time, from when my layover started till I got back on the plane to head home. So... Did either of you take a real analog pun? Absolutely intended. Um, an analog approach into the layout, you know, in terms of uh, a contact sheet or doing small prints and you know slapping them up on the wall to. Oh no, no. Yeah, so I always do that. I always do the the prints. In fact, the reason why everybody got a print tucked in the back of their two two three eight zine is because they are the prints that are used to um, create the pairings. Um, so I've got a I've got an Epson inkjet printer at home, so I was able to just print everybody's pictures on six by four, lay them all out, kind of work out which ones paired with with which, and then uh, yeah, top one in the back of each book to send out. I hope people don't mind me doing that, by the way, because uh, um, I'm taking liberties with other people's work. But um, but yeah, I, I think that that seeing them physically and particularly when you're laying them side by side is uh, is really useful to do and it hopefully people have seen uh seen some of those pairings and and appreciate that that some of them do work really nicely even though it was it was 30 different photographers with sort of two shots each some of the compositions and some of the uh um subject matter in some cases just just matched nicely that allowed them to be paired together I wonder, in particular to that project, I wonder how much of those subject matter choices were based on the film stock itself. So I know, you know, just in in experimenting with it myself, I found that it really, really liked Chrome. Um, that, That shiny objects rendered particularly well. Yeah, I and think dull, right. dull gray eyes. Looking at the subject matter was there. I went, okay, I'm not the only one that came to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the way I the way I shot the two roles was um, I, I don't get much time for shooting. I tend to work um, long days, which means um, not much time in the evenings. So I've, I've only got the weekends. So usually I've got a, a four year old in tow when I'm out trying to take pictures. So often it's just you know wherever i'm going with her will 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 be what i'm taking pictures of and that was exactly the case for the 2238 um roles so uh i i mean uh, the other thing when, when i shot those original two roles i think only kind of two or three people had actually shared their work in the facebook group prior to that so i hadn't kind of learned too many of those lessons so i just i just 
didn't think about it and just went out and shot them as I would have, you know, it could have been any other film in the camera at that time. As it turned out, obviously they look great and they, um, the way it rendered the the dull grey Irish light um, is is great. I'm I'm really pleased with the, the results. I do need to order some more. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, this this is a, this is an interesting thing, and it's it's like it's it's fun to hear. And then I think we we're kind of talking around talking around it. Um, is I wonder how many people in the project, you know, especially as we staggered out um, uploading and sharing and conversations, it, how much it affected us, either consciously or subconsciously, to. To, to switch our subject matter to, oh, I saw that, you know, X person posted a really badass image of Chrome or a car or something, and then the, then you subconsciously go out and shoot and you frame a car in your shot because you know that the film at that point does a really nice with those subjects. Um, and I mean, I'm kind of curious to know how much of that sort of blended into the project and 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 it sounds like ian for you that and I, th- I think we've asked other other folks this directly is like it sounds like you did not change your shooting style for the project you just shot what you normally shoot yeah exactly as i say i don't, I don't have the the time really to experiment and choose so it was just a case of i'm out i'm taking the camera it's an opportunity yeah. to use these these couple of roles so uh so that's what i did yeah it's um yeah. Yeah, i don't have the luxury unfortunately i've been able to kind of kind of think like that way yeah well that's why i wonder how much of it's conscious versus um subconscious for for yeah, folks when, when you know when we participate in these projects um you know i would expect that there's just a certain amount of synergy um coming from it and I, and I feel like uh, p- part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast and have these conversations was to get at the heart of for some people of uh, you know some people were super they experimented a lot with the film and really tested it and I felt like other people latched on to the results of their experiments and shot shot with that knowledge like thanks for creating um, an image catalog and a database of developer um, ISO combos I'm just going to use it mm-hmm. and and I, I think that's one of the really fun uh, sort of things I didn't think about when we initiated this project is that that, that would occur for yeah. folks and then you'd sort of see those divisions and it and maybe it's a reflection of each person's individual approach or style or philosophy to photography in general mm-hmm. I've, I've got the folder open in front of me with the with the pictures that were submitted for the zine and you know I'd, I'd say that the film does does well at pretty much anything it, it tries really I mean it does look chrome does look great and we had quite a few car pictures submitted but there's a couple of architectural pictures from John Farnham particularly uh, that I think he took in Budapest that are just just lovely and the, the way uh, they're kind of eastern block concrete buildings and they just look superb with a with a film you know they're, they're grey subjects on on a on a film that does well with greys I think and uh, they just is, look terrific is his the is is uh, is who's and I probably should just be able to look this up easily but um is his one is the shot with the ladder going into the hole no so that's that's Caesar um Torres I think okay uh, I really need to get get in touch with him to find out what that is a picture of because I 
I, I haven't worked that out yet. But I love it. <laughs> Which page is that? So it's it's a circular kind of black hole with uh, either a ladder or a building or a some sort of um, some structure kind of going up into the hole. Yeah. Now that I'm and, looking at it, it's pretty clearly not a ladder. And I just always, you know, when you sort of, it's fun to revisit images and, and realize how much images change for me over time through looking. Cause I just assumed that was a ladder for some reason. But now that I look at yeah. it, I'm like, I don't, I actually don't think that is a ladder. And now that you point it out, like, I have no idea what that is, but it's, I love the image. It's like yeah, particularly striking. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. The, the, I think the combination of the, of the, the, the circle and then the lines kind of leading into it and then disappear, disappearing into the black. It's just lovely. Mm-hmm. Even though I've got no idea what it is. <laughs> I, I thought it was like a power station. That's, my guess is it's the inside of a power station of some sort, but who knows? Mm. I thought it was oh, well. like condominiums or something, like a high rise. <laughs> but then the circle doesn't make sense of that. Yeah. yeah. And and so so John's image is the one that's on the page opposite that. Okay. Right. So th- those were the those were the images that, that you were talking about, right? Yeah. Ian? The, that's the and, and that's yeah. interesting because for some reason this is one of those uh, those experiences for me where I felt like that these two images were the same photographer. <laughs> something about I guess the elements and I think it's really nice the way you've put it together here because yeah in, in my brain I felt like I was looking at the work of one person or it wouldn't have surprised me if it was the same photographer yeah John, John's are actually that picture and the one previous to it um, which is a big as I say a big uh, eastern block looking building um, yeah yeah uh, yeah, I, I, as I say, I think as somebody who used to take quite a lot of architectural pictures, I think this film would be really good for that as well. But uh, mm-hmm. I didn't have too much opportunity, to, again, to, to do that over here. Yeah. Yeah, I also found it great for, like, um, like um, uh, motion blur. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. When yeah, Michael, that one time that we went out to the... Um, uh, the pier, Santa Monica pier, with Wendy when Wendy was here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I shot the 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 um, the roller coaster that's there at the pier, and I and at first I thought I was gonna, you know, when I when the first time I shot it, I thought, oh okay, it's just gonna take a photo, like it'll be normal. But then I noticed that it, um, I think my shutter speed or something, I, I noticed the different when I hit the shutter button that. I was like, oh, wait, I think this is going to be more like motion blur. And and so just by feeling that the, I don't know, when I hit the, the shutter button, I was like, so then I just continued to do more of that. And I think I even slowed down my um, my shutter speed as well after that first shot. And, you know, so it just, I saw a lot of new ways or new things I could do with the film. Or, or just shoot differently because, you know, normally I'm shooting 100 speed, 400 speed, whatever, you know, the, the normal stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I remember always asking Michael, like, you know, what, how should I develop this or whatever? And, you know, even so then I just started to end up going on the Facebook group to get dev times and all that stuff for that. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I really like this film. That's why I, I'm rolling some more of it myself. <laughs> 
I think the just, thing that the film taught me um, was how to use my body to brace myself. You know, particularly with short, slower shutter speed, so that I could get a sharp image um, without camera shake, even if I was shooting at a tenth of a second. Yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting that that you say that, right? Like the, the like once you know a, a know the film and know your camera, then you adapt your style to to like it's almost like for you Jason it's like you wanted to bring it back into like you wanted a sharper image without the noise and I kind of and then initially took the other approach where I felt like well screw it I'm shooting at six I'm just gonna handhold it and if it's blurry and fuzzy I don't even give a damn right I literally was still shooting it one-handed at arm's length like like western style of like and, 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 and i felt like it freed me up from like and i spent the first couple of months shooting this film running around it like a half a second just shooting everything like i was like ah, i'm just gonna get blur i'm just gonna see what happens and i ended up that a lot of the water shots that i produced um for for the zine and for the project were just the that result of this is the first time I've shot a film that's so slow that I don't I'm not going to use a tripod because I'm too lazy to carry one. And I'm not going to be I'm not going to try to force it to be sharp. So I'm just going to let it just let it go at a half a second and just see what I get. Yeah, that was a fun experience um, with it. And I think that process gave you the cover image of the zine, didn't it? The, uh, it did. That's the old yeah, pier and the, and the waves. Yep. And that was just, you know, that was initial need where I was like, oh, I really want to take this shot. It looks really cool. I don't have a tripod. It was sort of late in the day. And so I just took it, right? Like, whatever, I'll just, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And then when I saw it, then I, I shot probably another three rolls of film after that, specifically going for that same look. I just was like, I'm going to set it at half a second and f8 or f16 and just shoot it and like and it's interesting now that i'm looking back at this because i've moved away from that with this film and now i'm i'm shooting it you know much sharper street high contrast situations and i'm not doing that look currently with the film at all it's it's so fun to see how your style changes over time yeah as you say it's been it's been a constant uh, a series of learning lessons throughout I've I've just received a, an order for a for a fabrica from a fellow called Edward Conde, which is quite nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll cancel the to. order. We'll, we'll just do an exchange. How's that? I'll just I'll just swap you for a copy of layover. How about that? Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, let's do that. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. I um, I didn't want to interrupt the uh, the podcast to announce that I just ordered that. So. <laughs> So I did for you. <laughs> Thank you. We'll exchange addresses later. So yeah, I don't know if you guys want to um, spend a few minutes specifically, as I, as I feel like, it, you know, we've all contributed to this zine and we've been chatting about it. But I'd I'd be curious to know um, from each of you, like, if there's a, a particular image or something as you've gone through that stood out to you. Um, or if it's just 
you know, I know we all we we enjoy them. I'm sure we all enjoy them all. But I feel like, you know, I have my first impressions and then later impressions. Um, if, if there's anything that's, that's either snuck up on you and become a favorite over time or like an initial favorite or uh, what are your guys' feelings like overall on on specific images and then just the overall theme? I find myself continually flipping um, to George Griffith's street shot. The dude wearing the, like the super steam- steampunk goggles. Yeah. I love that photograph. Yeah, that guy looks like Will I Am. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one is excellent. And then I also like the one, the um, the Sprocket Pano. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was Bill too, right? It was, yeah. Checking the index. Yeah, it, so that the, there's oh. two. One that's kind of twilight and then one that's nighttime of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. With, and the, the cool thing about the Harbour Bridge is the lights of the bridge are reflected in kind of the wet foreground on the, mm-hmm. on the shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, that's lovely. That's really, really yeah. good. Yeah, that was, that was, that's in my top, my top one or two. As I say, that, that shot of... Um, Caesars, the uh, the thing that we don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Caesar, tell us what that is. Yeah, you need to get him get him on at some point and, and ask the question. That 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 is the goal, I, I, and I would love to because um, it's it's almost fun not knowing what it is. But it, yeah, it's, I'm I'm so glad you pointed out that that's not a ladder. <laughs> I've learned this like twenty times. I mean, there's a cool ladder going up into a hole. Okay. Yeah, I think the other one, as I said earlier as well, the, the John Farnham's Farnham's pictures of uh, of Budapest, those two buildings, just mm-hmm. just really cool. That that the one that's opposite um, says a picture of the hole because he's got some kind of upright windows, I think they are, and the kind of four mm-hmm. black lines that travel upwards. But in front of that is that kind of that ninety degree pathway or or curb that sits in front of it, and that that that. Uh, Kind of juxtaposition of the of the of the angles is just just great. I really like that. I quite happily have that up on my wall as a as a big print. Mm. Yeah, he's a. It, this a, it's a. I feel like it's a beautiful shot. The tonal range is amazing. The the lens there, there looks like there's no distortion. I don't know if it's a slightly longer lens or you know if it's like some awesome 24 that has it just there's no distortion in the line so no. I, I do feel like that sort of gives it that extra impact um, it is really wide the uh you can see that the way that uh, curb comes towards you mm-hmm. uh, you can almost see see the guy's feet in the picture you know it's, it, i'm sure it is a really wide lens but mm. yeah again you'll have to get him on and ask <laughs> that yeah <laughs> Just based on the things that I've seen from John share in the past, I think it's a 24. That would make so, well, let me see. Does he have it in here? Like, oh, uh, Minolta, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Minolta XD7. Yeah, I didn't listen. Minolta gang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. You know, man. It, 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 going back to that, uh, the photo of the, the man with the goggles, um, mm-hmm. the other thing I love about this part of the zine and, and the layout, now that we can talk about it more specifically, is um, I don't know why I love that, that somebody shot this other man on the, the right, and 
it's it's like they're they're opposites, right? Like this guy has got a black beard and a mustache. This other guy's got a white beard and a mustache, and and, and this guy's goggles are white. And this guy's glasses feel feel dark to me. And it's like I love that they they sort of flip. Um, yeah. That had to be really fun to see those images side by side. Be like, oh my god, this is it's like a perfect fit to to match these. Yeah, in a lot of cases, you guys made it really easy to to put these pictures together because mm-hmm. uh, even though they were kind of completely random and from all around the world, there are there are you know there's, whether it's the composition or the subject matter, there's, there's things that hold them together and, and pair them up nicely. So yeah, it's it was a fun process. Looking at that portrait again, I if you look in his right lens, you can see um, George's reflection. Yeah. Yeah, it's subtle, but it's there. Really missed until just now as I'm looking at it more closely. You should shout out George's podcast while you're at it, um, On the Streets podcast. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah I've enjoyed that one a lot. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I haven't caught up on it recently. I, and I know that it um, over the last few months, he's given a lot of shout-outs to this project on that podcast. So that would really been appreciated. And it's like, I, f- I feel like I'm falling in behind and just listening to podcasts. So like, I got to catch up with it. Like, yeah, there I are su- so many. I subscribed like a week ago, so I got to get caught up on it myself. Yeah, it's 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 been fun to listen to. And he has, like I said, he's been really supportive over the last few months of this this project overall. And, and his experiences with it, it's just been great to hear. Yeah. I see what you guys are saying about the chrome on cars in this film. I found it really, really difficult to narrow down my selections. There was a few that I really I was back and forth on and went with my gut ultimately. Yeah, it's 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 tough, right? Because you, you have, what, 70 some images to about 70 images and you, you only have you only pick two. And and I and I'm wondering. So Ed and I were at the Free Film USA uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. Ed was dropping off the role he shot, and I don't know if, if both of you guys are familiar with that. Um, J- Jason and Ian, if you're familiar with that project, but Free Film, there's an artist. It's like four of them. They're out of New York. They're basically traveling around the U.S. in a couple of Ford trucks and a and a tow behind um, Airstream, and they're giving out Kodak Tri-X. Uh, you know, maybe about a hundred people per city that they come to, and then they kind of park. They give out the film. People have four or five days to shoot it, and they're bringing it back, and they're processing it all in D seventy six, and then making up, scanning it, and then making a print here and there. Um, and then, uh, you know, ultimately they want to do like a bigger book or an exhibit or something with the work. But it's um, it's 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 a pretty sweet project. And, you know, just talking to them yesterday about sort of what they're going to do with the final images, it, it, it made me think either for the next project, the 2468, or even going back to this project, it would be cool to have a spot where people could upload all of their images and then people could go through and curate their own sort of electronic zines from it and it would be interesting to see what everybody put together from a larger pool of images Mm. um if if that's something you know folks wanted to do and and because like for me i'm like i love what we've got out of this and it's like digestible and amazing but i am curious to see like in a sort of the in an easier way um 
more of the images that were produced overall because the Facebook group was fun and it was interactive. But at some point, I just sort of lost track of of whose work was where and what was going on and 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 like I don't even have a sense anymore of what's the project work versus subsequent work which is totally great but it'd still be nice to see the, the larger body of this project in one place mm. yeah that's why I'm pleased you're doing the next one on Flickr because I, I think Flickr gives you that opportunity yeah well I, I think it does but it but it still comes down to only if um only if people upload right because i think i think oh, for true. the 2238 i don't know how many people uploaded like if they uploaded 20 percent or 50 percent of their shots i just i don't even have a sense at this point of um of how much work we've actually seen shot during the course of the project mm-hmm. and yeah and i'm, and I'm kind of fascinated because like i like looking through this scene and seeing how much i really enjoyed these images I, i'm just curious to see you know what somebody shot that they didn't think was interesting enough for the zine or if they felt some pressure to post something like um i love i forget who did this shot it's the it's the kind of semi um uh, boudoir shot in here was that was that ted yeah it's ted smith oh yeah like like i i love that shot because it it's it's a very vulnerable shot and in sort of a not safe space shot if you will compared to mm. to to most of the rest of the images in the book, mm-hmm. and I and I wonder if there's a lot of other work like that out there that um, that people didn't post, or you know maybe it's just not their style. But that that's an interesting. That one stands out to me in this in this book because it it feels very different than a lot of the other images. I'd agree. I mean that was that was part of the reason. So when when people were uploading pictures for the project i was i made sure that i took them down as quickly as i possibly could and and moved them into into a hidden folder so that people weren't influenced by the things that others were uploading um so that people just just uploaded their favorite too and weren't seeing um you know as i say what what other people were submitting um so whether that changed people's thought processes in some way i'm not sure um, hopefully, it just made them up, upload the best work, you know. And yeah, and I'm and I'm curious. So, so Ian, for for your images, um, of all of your stuff, what what made you choose those two images to to include so in the work? Obviously, I could cheat because I could see everybody else's. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I'm really I'm really happy with the portrait of my my nephew. Um, again, I think that the film did a really good job of that. It was it was a nice soft light from a window, uh, and the kind of the tonality of the scene and the and the and the way that the film's rendered that, and the fact that it's completely grain free, just I think looks really good. Um, and the other one was chosen by my my older daughter, who I I said, oh, you know, I can't. I've got, I, I, this is my shortlist. I've got these five pictures, and she said, oh, I just really like that because it's the it's the back of the cross with the um, that's kind of just it's kind of really out of context and it's kind of the view that people wouldn't see uh and she she just said oh yeah i really like that picture so that was it she she made the decision for me um yeah i i got lots of similar pictures i must admit because i as i say i shot them all in i shot both roles in probably an hour um just wandering around one particular um abbey and its graveyard and the and the and the 
um, the well that's nearby the holy well. So yeah, lots lots of the things were similar. Uh, so yeah, and I did cheat a little bit. I did look at what other people were submitting. I did I did have a picture of a car, but that I didn't submit because I thought we've got enough of those. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's fair, and I I love um, I love this image. Of, I mean, this is another one that works great, right? Like the the the, the two cemeteries, or, or I guess abbeys next to each other, and just that that contrast between what that sort of old, really intricate stonework, and then this this sort of more modern looking cross, which is I, mean, I don't know how modern it is, but it just it it it's interesting that. It, that juxtaposition yeah so they're they're actually really close by geographically so that the, the one on the left is by the guy called david lane who is a is an irish guy in limerick which is the nearest city to me and and we met actually just a couple of days ago when he came and collected his zines when he he we, we finally got to meet up and we'd never met before in the in the 18 months that i've been in ireland so you know this project's introduced me to a fellow film shooter who's who's just up the road probably the nearest nearest one i'm aware of at the moment so uh yeah that's that, that was good fun so yeah those two pictures were probably taken pretty close close by to each other mm. So that, that's interesting. Do so you guys live close enough that it, do you think you'd uh, had crossed paths and and not known it? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. Um, so he he's a professional photographer and does a lot of uh, education. He 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 teaches classes. Kind of it sounds like about four or five nights a week. Um, of of kind of introductory photography. Uh, he, he used to do some darkroom. Um, classes as well but the, I don't think there's the demand for those at the moment and he was telling me that the the college that he does the the, the, the classes there's a full dark room that just never gets open just never sees I was going to say never sees the light of day but <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a dark room so that's probably a good thing no it's, it's, it's just kind of not being used at all you know this place and uh, you know like back in the UK I I did there was a community dark room nearby so if I ever fancied printing I could always go and you know just just turn up and do it whenever i felt like it sort of thing and that it would be great to have that here mm-hmm. um, at the moment i don't but uh, yeah to hear that that's kind of just sort of again 15 miles away or so is uh, is really good so yeah i'm sure i'm sure david and i'll be be keeping in touch and maybe getting out for a shoot sometime soon that's 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 just so awesome to hear i love it when you connect with creatives that are relatively close right so you can get out and just sort of have that oh it's just fun to go bullshit while you're shooting photos oh definitely mm-hmm. yeah he's, 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 a, he's a nice guy as well that that what you were talking about earlier with when you meet photographers it's not it's, it's not always an easy thing to do Mm-mm. um i think david and i'll get along and we'll uh, we'll get out i'm sure it's 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 interesting for i don't know why i i never i i, I fully admit that i I don't look at the back um, as much as I should to see whose photos whose. So, so your other photo is the um, it's it's the one opposite the ghost, right? Yeah, that's right. It's the uh, it's the young boy who's my that's Stanislav, who's my my wife's sister's son, um, and he was over visiting us that the the week that I, I got the film and went out and shot it. So. Um, 
and that's that's typical light in our house because it's just it's usually pretty dull outside so um yeah he was on his mum's knee sitting fairly close to the window and it just as i say i'm just delighted the way it looks on this film so yeah it's it's really it's it's really perfect and like you're saying that it's it's not even that it's just grain free but it feels like there's so much detail without that sort of sharpness that you know this is one of those times where i feel like digital would give you this sharpness that wouldn't be terrible but there's like a this and yet sharpness to this image at the same time if that makes any sense no, I, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of fall off from the lens. It's, it was a Sigma 1.4 lens that I was using, and I was shooting it wide open. So, yeah, I mean, there, there is a lot of fall off. So there's a lot of softness on his on his sort of T-shirt, and even kind of the bottom half of his face is already out of focus. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of looking down on him. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say really pleased with that picture. And, and, and that's – so you'll see that some of the pages are black, um, in the zine, and I, because that's something I really like in photo books. If the, if 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 there's a dark scene, um, that people will put it present it on a black background, so it's just the kind of subject matter coming out of the page. That's that that's all you can see in the, in the page. I think it's a really really powerful effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favourite photographers is a guy called David Nissen, and he does lots of nighttime work, and all his all his books are always black pages. Um, and then the, the image can be quite small on the page, but you don't know where the edge of the image is because all you can see is the is the part of the frame that's kind of lit, like like his t-shirt and face in this one that we're talking about. You can't see the background; it's just it's just black and, and blends into the into the background. So that that frame could have been three times the size of the page, and you wouldn't know how much of it was the picture and how much of it was was uh, was not, you know, was the border. Yeah, a question for the group is now that we've spent some time with it, and for those of us who have looked at the index and and see names attached to those photos, are any surprising to you, or do you see um, some consistency in what was submitted against what we've seen from that photographer? And maybe the answer is no. Yeah, I'm not sure I knew too many of the guys who were in this, um, who, who submitted to the zine, which has been another kind of uh, interesting part of it. So I, I kind of knew Bill's work a little bit and um, Jess Lance and people like that. Um, but a lot of the guys were, and Eric O'Hara's, uh, I knew his stuff. Um, but a lot of the people that submitted, I didn't really know what their photography looked like, and so it was, you know, that's been another, another fun part of the pro- project is to is to come across these new people and and then, either you know, as simple as making friends on Facebook and just kind of learning a little bit more about what they do has been another part of the project. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I I feel exactly that way. Where. I think Eric's work is the most in line because I mean that's really his forte, right? So when you when you see his car work in here, that's I feel like you know immediately that's that's his work. Mm. Um, but a lot of the other folks, for sure, I didn't know them enough before the project to follow them, and then some of them, like Betsy, for instance, I think her shot of um, like the angry wife. You know, I, I feel like that's still out of character for what I see most of her work being now that mm. I follow her, which is either sports or the the horses or family stuff. And so 
so yeah, I mean, I, I, that was a nice surprise to see that one because it, it, it feels like she had just branched out and done something that either she doesn't post a lot of it or she just tried something new for the project. So yeah, I, I don't feel like for everybody, um, I either didn't have a sense like, like you guys are suggesting of their work enough beforehand, or they did do something, um, totally different. Like, like for me, for, for Ian, for instance, the, I knew immediately that the cross was your work for some reason. <laughs> and, and up until you pointed out that this shot of your nephew was, was your shot. I, in my mind, I was like, Oh, that's one of junior Wyatt's shots. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just assumed that was his shot. And it, and it wasn't until you pointed out just now that I'm like, Oh, my bad. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And what's, what's awesome about that is the, the print that you included with the, the film for me is that shot. Oh, really? I, I, no, I, I, that was completely random. Those. Yeah. So, so yeah, I have the, that's the, the standalone print I have. And, and oh, nice. I, I just, for whatever reason, was thinking that was just, because it, it, in this particular instance, I think that shot is very reminiscent of Junior's style that he shoots with his kids a lot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was Junior's kid. <laughs> yeah. That's why when you said that, I was like, I'm over here flipping through the book. I'm like, shit, wait, what? I got to go double check that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you also um, included these these extra prints, too, because, like, this is a really interesting one for me where the, the print that you got from your inkjet and the print that's in the final zine are still fairly different. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And not in a good or bad way either, just, right, like... The the inkjet print has darker blacks, um, and it's it just has a different mood. And I actually I, I like the way it came out in the final zine because it's it's even a little softer in the yeah. zine. So I don't know if it's just the paper choice or the ink choice or some combination of both. But it's fun to see, probably get an idea of what you were working with, and yeah. then how it came out into the final product. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, so I, 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 the the only thing I did to people's pictures was just to maybe make the blacks a little bit blacker so that they print better. Um, mm. Obviously, I didn't want to start messing with people's with people's work. Uh, if there was dust or scratches on negatives and on on files that have been sent, that stayed in because I get that that's a an artistic choice by some people. But um, yeah, as I say, the only thing I had to do with 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 a few of the images, not not loads, but just to make things a little bit blacker. So, um, so yeah, there, there probably is a slight difference between uh, yeah, the, the, the print that I sent and the, uh, the what's in the zine. And again, that's just come from a little bit of experience that there's nothing worse, I don't think, than a than a black that isn't black. It's kind of just about black, but just just a little bit grey. Mm-hmm. So I was keen to keen to make sure that things printed black. Like Nancy's picture that we were talk- that you guys were talking about last week, um, the subway train coming out of the station. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so that, as I say, just just made sure that that those blacks were really black. And and again, that's a good example of where it fades into the black border of the of the page. Um, yes. Yeah, I think that worked. That it worked really well. And that's a that's a great, another great picture. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm glad you explained because because I, I was going to ask you about that. Like, what drives your 
or dr- drives. I can't even talk. I drank too much last night. Um, what drove your decision making on on and and you know because it is interesting to see the ones that you've chosen to do black and then and then the ones white and like like the one that I I love the most for that because it feels like a an interesting artistic choice is the like the the flower shots yeah um you know it's just black and white in the juxtaposition on the pages it's it's like i think that's the first time where i was flipping through that i really noticed that the choice in, in background right like yeah I, I i think i was just looking at the images at first and then i get mm-hmm. to that one and i'm like oh wow that you know, for half frame love, madness, diptych, whatever, that would look really awesome, like as a as a print hanging on the wall uh, side by side for for the aesthetic that I enjoy. Yeah, I think it needed something to make them a little bit different, if you know what I mean, because there were there were two fairly similar um, uh, flower shots. One looks like spring blossom to me. Uh, and so, and that's kind of the higher key image. So, so that's the one that got the white background. And the other one has got kind of black, darker foliage behind the, the brighter flowers. So that got the black background. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, again, if those two have been side by side, both on white backgrounds, they might have been a little bit too similar to to, to work next to each other. But again, just just the, the, by by hitting the black border on the on the darker image with the brighter flowers on it, I just think. Uh, makes them different enough to work together yeah it's it's beautiful it's it's an example i feel like where maybe maybe more than some of the other stuff in here this to me feels like a an an image that's right that doesn't happen to be side by side but like that is the image is both of them together Mm -hmm. It, it almost makes me wish the the book were like a lay flat um yeah just for that particular uh, juxtaposition, I, I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's interesting. Yeah, lay flat next time then for the next one. <laughs> that, yeah, that that would be. Um, I think as we move into the next project, I you know bouncing around ideas of how we're going to do stuff. Um, if if we made choices like that, I, I wonder how much it would change what people shot or what they submitted, and and the layout if we knew in advance. Um, and I think those are some ideas that I kind of want to explore with the next project. And even if we even do a zine, like I'm, I don't even know if that's if that's what folks want to do with this one. So I'm kind of, I'm I'm hoping those discussions get started and. Um, you know, to see like sort of what what people will find to be an interesting final product from from the next project. Yeah, I think this one's worked really well. I think people have liked the, uh, the bringing it all together in this way. Uh, there, there are one or two people who've, who've spoken on your show who've said, you know, they've never done anything like this before. They've never seen their work in print even. Uh, other than their own kind of home-produced prints, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of added to. So it's, it's people shooting a new film stock, getting involved in a in a community or in a, uh, a sort of joint effort with other people, and then getting something printed and and sent to them. Uh, you know, it's 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 been really nice because it's it's new things for people. Um, so yeah, I'd, I I. I think it could work again to do a zine, but yeah, if people have got a better idea or a different different way of doing things, then 
I'd be really interested in that too. Yeah, and I think yeah, exactly. I'd hate to say better myself because this is so wonderful. I just think it, it just maybe if folks have a different idea, yeah, right. Um, and that's the the one thing I, I should like to say myself right now is to congratulate everybody in this project because I was telling Ed yesterday. Uh, you know, 15 years ago, when when the MySpace photography groups were very similar to sort of what Mike Gutterman and Andre have produced community-wise in negative positives, you know, we tried to do a project similar to this back then, and we just couldn't get it to work because none of those creatives would relinquish enough control to make it feasible. And so mm-hmm. it just spiraled into, like... You, you, we just couldn't meet the demands of every individual. And I was really floored and blown away and impressed with this community and how much people either trusted or I, I, I don't know. I don't know what each individual's reasons were, but they let go of that creative control. And I think it made for a really great project because, because this zine then becomes something fantastic like you did a great job putting this together and I didn't, it, at least my sense is that nobody was challenging um, sort of every step in that process. No, well, that's, that's another advantage of keeping it all secret <laughs> and not, not showing anybody any of the artwork or anything. They, they can't object to it until until it's too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, and maybe there's just maybe it's just the community has advanced it in a nice way that that people are more accepting because, you know, in the past it's like no I my I only submit tiffs and they're only printed at three hundred on such and such paper and like mm-hmm. I, we tried to get this book off the ground fifteen years ago and and we could not get it off the ground because of sort of those, those kind of inputs and this one felt like super easy I mean. You offered to do it. People seem to submit their images, except that Bartosic guy who took forever and couldn't get his images Jesus. up there. He's not allowed on the next one. I know. <laughs> I, I am such a procrastinator. I felt so bad. Ian's like doing all this awesome work. And like, hey, dude, are you going to submit your images? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't need that guy on this one. No. <laughs> you, you, you touched on on one reason why I think a zine is a is a good conclusion to a, to a project like this, and that's that you know there's a lot of we're all talking about this at the moment because it's fresh into people's lives and they've they've just kind of a ship busy showing all the friends and that kind of thing. But once that dies down a little bit and these will get tucked away into a into a bookshelf or into the, uh, the magazine rack or wherever you keep your bits and pieces in a, in a desk drawer somewhere and they'll be, be forgotten about for you know for three or four years and then at some point you'll stumble across it you know you'll find this thing on a bookshelf and you'll you'll flick it flick through it again and be reminded of this of the experience you know of the whole project um, mm. and that that won't happen with a with a flicker um folder or a Having, no. having something physical as an end result, I think, is is, is important because, as I say, it, it'll come back around in in a few years' time whenever you remember this thing again or stumble across it. Um, mm-hmm. Which is the power of power of zines and books and things. I think. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think I think 
that's obviously true, right? Like we'll be moving or something in the future and you'll be deciding, you know, what goes to the thrift store and what stays in your life. And like you're saying, I'll, I'll come across this on my, my shelf and get to sort of reminisce as I flip through it. Although I, I will say that, you know, uh, Facebook and social media has, has done a, a pretty good job also of having a similar experience where oftentimes it'll show, hey, on this day and such and such time, you uploaded this photo. And so I can't say that I haven't had a similar experience on Facebook because it has uh, it has taken me down um, memories lane on a handful of yeah. occasions mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and done it in a cool way. Like you uploaded this photo yeah. five years ago on this day. And I'm like, that's yeah. pretty sweet. That's like one of the rare things that I think they they got really right um, on that platform. Yeah. yeah, Instagram is doing that also, obviously, since it's part of the Facebook thing. But uh, yeah, I agree. I like that. I like seeing some of my old images. Being like, oh, I did do that. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, because the older I get, the more forgetful I become. I I I don't even know that. <laughs> Like like a, a, a true story, and it, it always it, it's really funny when I think about this story because like I I was not fishing for compliments by any means, but I was at a friend's house and we were hanging out, and I look over and I'm like, man, that's a beautiful photo of you, you know, and I'm like, like because this is how my mind works, and she's like, dude, you took that photo, and I was like. Uh, I believe you. I have no memory. I have no recollection. And even now that you say it, nothing is flooding back in. So I, I can only say that I believe that, that that's true. But it was it was really kind of a funny thing because then I felt silly. It was like, I really was not fishing for a compliment. I really have no idea that I took that photo. Like, do you some, think good, that, some good drugs, bro. The perhaps <laughs> volume of shots that we take that there is a certain ephemeral quality to them that once they're once they're made that we kind of release them out and that the memory kind of fades on them or you can just say because you've got a shitty memory that works too i i think for me it's a combination of of both like i uh, I, re- I the one thing I realized about my personality is I have no attachment to things or very little. So if I don't have a really strong emotional attachment to it, then I, I kind of forget about it faster. And, right. So I feel like photography and then and I've also read that they basically say that photographers in general have some of the worst memories. And if you want to remember an event, don't photograph it. Because there's there's something about the process of photography, and I forget. I should go find this article. It's really fascinating to read. That like it's almost like you're you're telling your brain, I don't have to remember this event because I'm photographing it. That makes sense. Yeah, I got I got real bad memory. There's things I don't. I mean, but I, I think you're right. If there are some images that I do remember because it has a certain, um, I don't know, I have it in a certain spot in my brain or whatever it is. Um, and I can tell you what camera I shot it with and when I did it and that kind of stuff. But then there's some other ones I look at them like, where the heck was I? 
Yeah, I, I recently developed a roll of film, and they're all double exposures. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out who the people are or what the location is in the first set of exposures. And I'm, I, it kind of weirds me out every time I look at that roll of film because I'm like, how do I have this film? Who are these people? What is this doing in my life? It's like I, yeah, I don't I remember it being a found film that I recycled. I just... I'm like, it's kind of scary, actually. We don't have any medical specialists on the 2238 project that we could. <laughs> no, but we need one. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have those experiences when you look back through your shots and you you see things in them that you just don't recollect at all, even even now that you're seeing them. Um, I just don't remember. I've had some of those moments. You know, like, I, no, I, you're I just crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, it's part of that. <laughs> um, you know, I've I've had those I've had those moments, and I wonder how much of it can be ascribed to skill level. You know, looking at them, that that there's a there's a new critical eye that you're subconsciously applying to work that you've made in the past mm. or that it's simply a, 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 a different way of existing in a moment in time that your relationship to what was made before is different. Or, or could it just be that we're consuming so much content more than before and just some things don't stick only the the new stuff does I don't know I think I think there's there's a for me obviously there what, what you just said Ed is definitely true like is when we've been chatting on this this podcast with other guests and I think we went back and looked at some of the images online that I was like oh my god I never saw that image mm -hmm. and so and I felt like I was seeing it for the first time and then I scrolled down and I'm like no just two months ago I commented on that image so it's like I clearly had seen it I'd already commented on it and then entirely forgot and you know and it's interesting that maybe it is because we consume so much content that I find it fascinating that when you see it again it doesn't trigger right like oh yeah I've seen this before and it's like it's like seeing your own words written on the image below it is an interesting experience for me because I'm like I don't know who this guy is who saw this image, but he commented on it. <laughs> Again, I think that's why that's why it's important to create bodies of work instead of just kind of solve everything in a single image. Mm -hmm. So, like earlier, you were talking about, um, did we the, the the photos in the two two three eight project? Did we expect them to look like somebody's work? And you know, Junior's work, for example, tends to be lots of pictures of his kids. Um, and that's his thing, you know, that's his body of work. So while you might not remember the individual image, you might remember um, the, the, the kind of themes that people have and the, the subject matter a little bit right. more. Yeah, I, I feel like that, I'm sure we all have something similar. There are over the last 15 to 20 years that I've been actively following people through social media and their photography. I have maybe a list in my head of 15 or 20 photographers, probably more if I, I really thought about it. But I, I ascribe a very particular style and set of images to those photographers. 
like Jason, your your street work to me has a very particular style, and I I feel like I can recognize it as I'm scrolling through a feed, right? Like I I feel like I know what the tone is going to be like, and sort of the framing. And, and with somebody like Eric, if I see a car shot, I feel like I can usually tell his car shots from other car shots. And then there's a, there's a guy I follow in St. Louis and have been for years. He just everything he shoots is a reflection of something in a puddle. Mm. And so like, I can't even go out and shoot a reflection myself in a puddle without feeling like I'm emulating his work because it's so distinctive and he's so consistent in what he shoots. And he's been doing it for like 20 years that I literally feel like he's got that corner, if you will. Um, and then there's other photographers that, I'm like they just shoot everything and they're all over the place and they do awesome work, but I don't associate a particular style with them. Hmm. I wonder if is that uh, because I've I've wondered about this very question. You know, I think um, for some photographers who who strictly see themselves as hobbyists and have no aspirations of. Um, selling prints or, or producing bodies of work, um, and I and I not bodies of work specific, specifically, but more uh, tangible work. You know, whether that be a, a zine or a, uh, a a photo book or or some something that exa- exists beyond a single print. I wonder if there is a resistance with them. Um, to even say that they have a body of work or is a body of work something that is created with some intention? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. You know, if, if somebody exists at the level of a, a, a generalist, that they're kind of shooting everything, um, I think at some point a style emerges from that. Um, it, but, it does. Yeah, and, and even if it's not a style, it can be a... It can be subject matter, you know. It can be the, the mm-hmm. things that, if we're out wandering the streets, where whichever city we happen to be in, there'll be the same kind of things that repeat and, and will attract our eye. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'll, I I don't take pictures of um, flowers, for example. Uh, I will walk straight by them, whereas other people that will be their interest. It's perhaps a bad example, but you know what I mean. You, you you'll naturally yeah. be drawn to things, and you'll begin to develop a, a sort of catalogue of those things almost. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if it's something like, so like for myself, I don't I don't feel like I have a style, right? and I don't feel like I can see it, but yet like recently I've been scanning and, and developing all of my girlfriend's film shots, and I very easily see her style in and in, in sort of like what you're saying, like she I feel like she's attracted to some very specific themes in her photography. And it's she has these motifs and they're repeated and it's really easily easy for me to see it. And I wonder if it is because it's not my work and it's easier to see style and something that I'm not emotionally attached to. And maybe I'm just more objective and looking at her work than my own work. I'm curious if if you had a conversation with her and said, I, I identify these particular themes and, and motifs, do you think she would agree with you? We, we have had a conversation. Um, so for instance, she, uh, much like Mike Gutterman, she loves to shoot signs and 
And so we've had that conversation about that. So in that particular uh, theme of hers, uh, yeah, she's she's totally aware and she's she's actively doing that. And and although she always says, I don't know why I'm so attracted to shooting these signs. But every time I see a sign, I want to take a photo of it. And then she always apologizes like, I'm sorry, I'm wasting your film taking a photo of this, you know, one way only sign. And I'm like, you're not wasting it. It's just, that's what you want to shoot. Go for it. You know, um, mm-hmm. no apologies necessary, but, but it's, but she is, she's just attracted to signs everywhere we go. And it, mm. it's a lot of what she shoots, but, she, but she's aware of it. It's been really interesting for me to, um, to take when, you know, my, my nephew, um, who is now eight, you know, when we do photo walk, it's always really interesting to see his selection in subject matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's really fascinating is that the mindset for him is that he recognizes that he has a finite number of frames. And so while he may come across something that he sees at at, a, at first blush as being ordinary, he circles it and he gets low. He looks at it in different ways. And, and it's really it's fascinating to watch him work um, completely uncoached. That's that's really that would be fascinating to see. Like that thought and process. Arguably, he's he's picked up on that because he sees how I shoot, mm-hmm. um, and so there there may be a little of like the un- high, the uh, the uncertainty principle at play here. Um, but I really think it, it um, it's just interesting to watch. It's really interesting to watch and see someone who um, is very much in the early stages of shooting that he's developing an eye and a, and a sense of style unique to him. And I can really yeah. say that it's unique to him because he hasn't consumed the work of other photographers. Mm. Right. He may have seen other, he's seen me shoot, but mm-hmm. what he is, how he is seeing the world is truly unique to himself. Um, Almost without outside influence. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Do, do you guys feel like in your own personal work um, that you are influenced a lot by your community involvement and in other work that you're seeing? Or do you feel like you're still marching to the beat of your own drummer entirely? Hmm. Um, a, might be a mix of both for me. I mean, I, I think at first I, I did a lot of it was just my own this is what I like to shoot and that kind of stuff. And with very little influence from either other photographers or even, um, even like, um, cause street photography is one of the things I really like to shoot. And, you know, there's just the whole, what I call the bandwagon of everybody looking at the masters and saying, Oh, this is what they shot. So we need to shoot the same because they're telling us something and blah, 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 blah. And I always kind of went against that. of saying, well, no, I mean, it, they're great. I'm not putting them, you know, the masters are the masters, but you know, I'm, this is my vision or this is the way I want to see things. Um, but then later on I did get, you know, more, you know, I, I did start to look at those images um, and try not to be too influenced by them, you know, trying to understand what was the big, what's his, you know, the, the big deal 
of them? Why are they calling them masters and that kind of stuff? And, you know, um, but yeah, so I think I do a little bit of both. There's some, there's some photographers that I do look at. I like Eggleston's work. And, um, so I try to, I try to do some of that stuff. Um, but I know when I'm shooting that I'm thinking of Eggleston at that time. Hmm. Um, so, but yeah, but yeah, I try to keep, I try to keep to my own style if I can, or my own way of shooting without being too, too influenced by others. But I don't know. All right. Is anyone familiar with the work of Austin Cleon? I'm sorry. Who is it? Austin Cleon. Not by name. And I'll preface that by saying he is not a photographer. So he's, um, he wrote a book a number of years ago called steel, like an artist. And the central theme to the work is that, Everything that we produce um, is, on one hand, derivative by necessity, and we bring our own unique perspective to it. And so there's a, it's the difference between saying, I am shooting to emulate the style of Henry Kirk Taperson, Gary Whitbrand, Elliot Irwin. Frankfurt, uh, William Edelson, you, you know, whoever, whoever it is that inspires your work. There's one thing to say that I'm um, being conscious in emulating that in some sense, but because I simply respect their work and I've spent time with it and I've synthesized it, that now I can take the, the best elements of that and make it something uniquely mine. It's the it's the principle of like standing on the on the shoulders of giants. You know, we, mm-hmm. we what the work of those who came before us have certainly influenced us because they're part of the popular conversation. Right, they're part of the cultural fab- fabric that we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes total sense. I mean, and I just don't know how how much folks feel like they are they're doing that or if we're all sort of subconsciously being influenced by the community and, and shooting for likes and, and, or support or like, you know, and I don't even know if like, if it really is a conscious thing. Um, I'm, I'm always curious about that because, you know, I feel like most of us have a fair bit of, of interaction and involvement with a community. And it would be interesting if we shot film, isolated from that community or any of these communities for a period of time if our styles would change i think they would simply by through social contact Mm -hmm. in whatever shape that takes well like me for instance until i started looking at like ian's work and ed's work and and daniel novak's in terms of the zines I never thought about zines, really. Um, I mean, I wanted to do a coffee table book years ago, but that felt different than a zine to me. And now the last year and a half or so collecting these zines from people, I'm now shooting two two zines in the background, right, and making images for them. And so I'm getting this collective cohesive whole that I never would have shot without that influence so i do feel like it's directly influencing what i'm shooting and how i'm shooting it and the intention i'm shooting it for um 
and I'm actually trying to make a, a conscious body of work for the first time ever. What's that experience been like for you? Frustrating as shit. <laughs> Not a <gonna> lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you guys do it. I find it. I find it hard to stay on track. Uh, you know, or I get, I get a couple of rolls of film in and then I'm like ADHD over here doing something else. And then I, I come back to it and I'm like, and then, then now I, ha- I feel like I have some weird, uh, I have some weird sense of pressure to not fail on a project. I started like when, when Ian mentioned uh, uh, earlier in the call um, that he was doing a 52 rolls project. Like I've, I've started a 52 rolls project like four times in about month, like by March, I fucking hate photography. I want out. I don't ever want to look at a camera again. And and I've never finished one because because then I'm like now I have a job. Mm-hmm. Like I can shoot film every day until I say I'm going to shoot film every day, and then it becomes a burden. And um, the zines are a, kind of a little bit like that, although not as uh, because they don't have such hard, fast deadlines like 52 projects. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's that's been an interesting personal observation. Yeah, they can, man. They could be hard to uh, put together and just kind of like curate what what images you want to use. Um, you know, I was lucky with layover that you know I I limited myself to I think it was like five rolls of one twenty. So there was just a small number of images. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Santa Monica, half-frame Santa Monica, was almost the same because I was just looking at my, I think I have like maybe 400 half-frame shots that I put together, you know, of just, you know, everywhere that I shot half-frame so far. And then I said, okay, well, I'm just doing Santa Monica. So then that dropped the number down, right? And then... And then there's only maybe a section of Santa Monica that I wanted to show off in the book, in the zine. So then that even knocked that down. But then I have um, my panoramic project that I shot a crap load of film. I think I have over a thousand frames of that panoramic of just all panos. And I still came, I still shoot panos, you know, every now and then on the little Nikon. And I, that's the one that's giving me anxiety on how am I going to, cause I want to do a zine with those, or at least I want to somehow show my work on that stuff. But that one gives me anxiety of how am I going to show this? Do I show this by film roll? Should I just do zines based on all the film rolls I shot and, you know, have whatever number of, <clears throat> just have a volume of, of these little zines based on the film role, but I don't know, you know, that's the anxiety I fight Mm -hmm. when I just look at it. So now I just put that album in a, down at the, at the bottom of the list of all albums. So I never get to see it. So I don't have Mm -hmm. to see it. I don't have it just staring at me on what to do. What are you going to do with me? So (laughs) what are you going to do with me? (laughs) Exactly. I remember you did a a zine. I think you were talking about it on the negative positives that you shot a zine on a single roll. Yeah, it was, it was two rolls, but within, within an hour, I think it was. Um, Yeah. I did a thing called up mill town. Um, So when I came across the Island, I was struck by the fact that every, little parish and little community has a uh, a Gaelic 
games club and it tends to be the focus of the community and if that club's doing well everybody trims up their houses and has banners and, and colours showing of their particular team and uh, there was a village near us that was doing really well and uh, the, it was actually the day of the final that I rolled into town with a, a TLR and a couple of rolls of Portra and the place was deserted because everybody was away watching the game but everywhere in the village were these um were these banners and colours and things. So, yeah, I just I just shot that on a couple of rolls um, and thought, again, went through the process, really, of, of curating it, of, of limiting it down to, I don't know, maybe 16 pictures from the 24, something like that, and uh, working out which ones work together and all that good stuff, like creating a cover, choosing paper, all, the, all those challenges that I like to give myself. And, uh, yeah, producing the <coughs> Got some produced and then went and dropped them off in the village. Uh, went to a couple of pubs in the in the village and just left them. Um, and then, yeah, just to see what happened. Um, yeah, and I, I had a couple of couple of people contact me who'd, who'd pick them up and like what they like what I'd done and just sort of let me know about it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, listening to your previous conversation, I, I don't think that you should feel pressure for these things um as i say fabrica took me there's 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 pictures in there that were five or six years old when i produced the the zine because you know again it was stuff that i've been drawn to i didn't set out to create a zine as an end result but ended up sort of collecting this body of work that made sense to 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 produce something like that so yeah don't 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 stress about it. Just if these things come good and it feels like you, you've done or it's ready or there's some sort of yep. significant reason why you think you should pull it together into a project, then, then think about it then. But in the meantime, just, just get out and shoot and create the work. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too is just, you know, just start making an album of the images you think you want to include in there. You know, and then and then just leave it, leave it for a week or two and then come back, um, add more or remove or whatever. And then, you know, just take every little step at a time. I did a um, I'm working on the next half frame, which is for Atlanta when I went to go uh, visit Atlanta and um, I put that together. Uh, It's completely rough, but I haven't looked at it since. And this was like maybe three, four weeks ago. And I probably won't look at it for like another month. And then I'll go back and see if all the images gel. And then I'll leave it alone again. And then, um, you know, but I did give myself a deadline of maybe next year, early next year to, you know, finalize it, produce it and that kind of stuff. But you just got to do baby steps. If not, you know, it'll just, it'll throw your anxiety into uh, a tailspin. Yeah, yeah. That that thing about leaving a period of time between taking a picture and and then looking back at it or mm-hmm. or doing something with it is yeah. is something that it's a discipline that's great to have if you can do it and yeah. lose that kind of emotional attachment to the picture and just see it for what it is. Yeah, what, see it see it the way somebody who didn't take it sees it. That's that's really important. And if mm-hmm. so, if that means leaving it a year before you look at it again, then then, yeah. then do that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think I, you know, I obviously took the approach of, hey, I'll just make this scene a group project and let Ian put it together. <laughs> <laughs> that, that took a lot of anxiety away. 
But again, that's easy. To, <laughs> all we asked, all we asked for was two pictures from each person. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There was, there was no sort of curation to do. People were doing it for themselves. So. Yeah, no, I, 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 I found it kind of humorous when Ted was on, uh, was it Negative Positives last week, mm-hmm. and he mentioned that, like, oh, I'm curious how this guy was able to relinquish control, and, and it's just like, oh, man, it's so easy. It's it's, it's called passing the buck, and, and like, <laughs> like, like that, that's really the secret to relinquishing control for me is, and, and, and obviously I don't hold that stuff close to the vest, right, but it, it, it for this project, I, I, I really did find it um easy to let that go uh mostly because I, I i recognize that um when i have a sense that somebody has more experience than me at something and that they're good at it um utilizing that just feels like a really natural thing to do that's nice of you to say thank you yeah, yeah well it I mean, honestly, you know, you I I got your Fabrica zine and the other one, the the night one, and yeah. and I just really fell in love with them. So I was like, and then when you reached out, I was like, oh my god, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this magic that of the other two that you have for this project, that's that's gorgeous. And and it was also fun to just say, hey, the part part of the project was to have it be community and collaborative and, and you everyone has to let go um even myself right like it, it's not my project it was it was our project yeah no uh, it, as i say it worked out great and i was glad to be able to contribute yeah that was super nice well guys i think we're uh maybe coming close to the to the end i think we chatted about the zine a fair yep. bit Did you guys have any other sort of closing comments on the on the zine um at this point as i know we've kind of been not talking about it a bunch uh with the other guys because folks didn't have it in their hands yeah now that everyone has it in their hand um i didn't know if there was anything else we wanted to sort of shout out um about it i think the only other thing to say is uh so everybody who's involved in the original project has a copy at least one copy um and we've sold the uh, the balance as well, so uh, I think there were there were thirteen left after everybody got one. Um, but we do plan to get another batch printed uh, and probably get them to Michael so that they're that side of the Atlantic, um, just to make distribution a little bit more straightforward and a little bit cheaper because it's uh, the postage costs are ridiculous for this thing. So um, there, will, there will be more to come in the next I don't know the next kind of month or so I guess before we get those those out and available to people. Okay. Yeah, uh, that was oops, we were talking about that yesterday, right? Michael, no, go ahead. Yeah. I, I know something we were talking about yesterday. Yeah, no, I was just really going to say that because uh, I met Jose for the first time yesterday. He was a guest uh, recently on on the Grady Days podcast, and um, he he wanted to purchase a copy, and um, yeah, I just let him know that it's it's in the works, and I don't exactly know how it'll work out, but yeah, if we, I think if we could get a, a few more copies and and. You know, as, as, certainly as long as everyone in the project is comfortable with it, with that work being sold, and my perspective is b- being sold uh, without profit, just f- for cost. If everyone's good with that, um, 
you know, I, I feel like everyone's been super generous with with uh, relinquishing control and putting yeah. their images out there and their work. And I don't want to take advantage of that. I'd like to make copies of it available because I think it's per, it's I think it's a nice body of work. But I don't want to um, I don't want to profit from it. I don't want to be seen as profiting from it. I don't want to be seen as taking advantage of other people's work. I just want to make it available for people who are interested, like in, in getting a copy. So. I'm, I'm hoping that works for the 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 project uh, the community as a whole. No, I agree. And uh, as we talked about on the Viewfinder Vikings, it feels like it's a it's almost a reference guide to what can be done with this film. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, so so somebody who's interested in shooting it in the future might yeah. it might be valuable to them to sort of get an idea of how it's going to look in certain situations. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the other thing too that we're trying to do when we post the images from our guests on our Instagram. We're also putting like developer time and that kind of stuff. So um, our Instagram is also a good way to reference, um, you know, what developers work and you know what cameras were shot with and that kind of stuff. Not to plug our own Instagram, but just yeah. <laughs> No, but it's, I do think it's a good resource, and, and I know there was a conversation started in the 2238 uh, project group on Facebook. Uh, it sounds like last night um, where somebody wants to sort of revamp a development thread and have people post their images and then all their details in a more systematic way. And, um, you know, I, I – I can understand why folks in the original project may not want to go back through their archives and do that. But I'm, I'm hoping moving forward, you know, as folks post images, maybe they take one of their best images and put it in there. Cause I do think having a more systematic uh, example of an image and a developer and an ISO combo would be super nice. Um, it's one thing with the 2468 project on Flickr that I love is that we have a development thread going in there. And as people post their developers, I can put that into sort of a master conversation and delete out all the back and forth conversation so that that development thread will end up just being a bulleted list of what worked and what didn't work. And, mm. and um, it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to have that option. And I feel bad <clears throat> to delete people's comments out, but we, I really wanted to, one of the, my lessons learned from 2238 is, oh, let's make a thread that really is more of a technical bulleted list. And, and the conversations are interesting, but they're distracting from people who just want to know what the development times are. Yep. Um, and, and we're sort of stack ranking them. So this worked, this didn't work, and this worked really well kind of thing. And I know that's a little bit subjective, but... Um, I'm, I'm hoping because this 2468 is going to be a little bit harder to work with uh, than the 2238 was. Um, it's just such a much more interesting. Well, maybe interesting is not the right. It's a more challenging film to use. Yeah. All right. So. All right, guys. Um, I think we should wrap this one up. And um, Ian, is do you have any uh, future projects that we should be looking out for? 
nothing imminent. Uh, I'm working on a few things. As I said earlier, I'm going to spend the winter working on more nighttime stuff. Um, the usual sort of thing. It'll be Fuji Acros. Uh, I'm hoping to try out the new Acros, obviously, as soon as that's available. Mm-hmm. Ho- hopefully, it's going to do the same things at night, but I've got enough to last me th- of the old stuff to, to last me through the winter. So, I'm going to spend the, the winter shooting nighttime work because, uh, again, as I said earlier, that's the only opportunity I really have for, for shooting. Um, and, and yeah, just, just still continuing to find my way around Ireland and, and getting to getting to learn my new environment a little bit and hopefully find more stuff to shoot that's, that, that kind of satisfies me. You know? how, uh, in regards to Ireland, how, how, uh, how receptive are – I don't know if you do any street photography or when you're shooting. Are people pretty receptive there to cameras and street photography or just you walking around with a camera even shooting buildings and bridges or – yeah, I've, I've had no problems at all. Um, so Limerick's the nearest city to me. Um, Ennis is a town that's fairly close by, and I've, I've shot there quite a bit uh, with no problems. Um, nice. And, and obviously Dublin is the big city in, in the country, and uh, there are so many tourists that come through Dublin that, that, that cameras are everywhere kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I don't see it as being a problem. Um, having said that, I never really had any problems in the UK, even though I hear people have all, all kinds of issues there but um no I, I i think if you you know do take pictures in a sort of respectful way and you don't kind of stick your camera in people's faces or take pictures of the, of the kids and things like that the things that are obviously going to um wind people up if you avoid those things then you you shouldn't have too many problems yeah, I'm always curious as as we move forward. I, I feel m- my sense here is that that people are getting um, increasingly sensitive to public photography, um, especially in the in the social media realm. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the way that people approach their their image making process. And what I mean by that is if you're going in to get the shot, that that can create a certain um, inelegance that people pick up on. Like it just mm-hmm. feels. And in the same way, you know, on the, the other side of that is if um, people, I think, naturally pick up on discomfort from the, from the photographer. Ah, you know, so if there's an unwearing, you know, if, if you're if you as a photographer are going in um, with the expectation that people are going to be uncomfortable, you're creating it. It's there. Mm-hmm. You're projecting it. You you certainly are projecting it. And, you know, that 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 and even it, it may not be really obvious ways, but anyone walking by says he looks uncomfortable or just seems a little shifty. Mm-hmm. Whether that's your whether you're intentionally being that way or not, that people pick up on that, and that there is a there's a level of distrust that then happens. Yeah. Um, and I get it. It's, it it is uncomfortable to shoot street, but that simply becomes easier with practice. There was a really great um, <laughs> digital rev TV episode from years ago where they kind of talked about things not to do shooting street photography. 
And if you're and if you're if you're stalking somebody down the street, don't mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that guy from Digital Red. He's freaking hilarious. Yeah, Kai did it. It was before Kai left the show, and it was absolutely hilarious because it really brought to light a lot of the things that a lot of street photographers do without realizing that they do. Yeah. Well, I think the great street photographers realize they do it, and it's always that balance of uh, what you're willing to do to pursue your creative vision and how uncomfortable you, and like how much you care about the people around you. Because I feel like that's where I struggle as a street photographer is I have some small sense of other people and what what may or may not make them uncomfortable. So I'm not willing to do what the Bruce Gildens of the world are willing to do. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. because I'm just, right, I'm like, I, I love that work and I think it's amazing, but I also, I'm also slightly offended by it, right? Like, correct. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, man, as much as I would love to do that, I'm not willing to just put my needs over people walking down the street to, to that degree. Yeah. But I certainly violate it, right? I certainly do put my needs over, and certainly people have been upset that I've shot their street photos, and and, and you have to have that internal debate, like, yeah, I'm kind of an asshole, I'm sorry, I, I really wanted that shot. And I'm yeah. not Bruce Gilden, but I also did just take that photo. So Well, and, yeah. and you even if you don't know the work of Bruce Gilden, if you hear Bruce Gilden speak, um, and it doesn't even he doesn't even have to be talking about photography. And then you see his work, you're like, oh, of course, it matches. Yeah. He's very course. New York. There's the brashness in his character that carries mm-hmm. through in the way that he takes images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we had that for a few years ago here. Eric Kim, right? He's mm-hmm. he was LA based, and he was he was particularly offensive to my sensibilities, right? Like I could, I could not watch his videos and and people loved his work. And I was like, it's some of the most ego driven work I've ever seen. Yeah. But but people loved it. He always got criticized too. I mean, he, as much of a fan base he had, he had a ton of haters who were just saying, you know, he just regurgitated a lot of stuff that other people have done like Brasson and some of these other masters, he was like, he just basically just did that in a, with the digital camera in a modern way. Mm-hmm. And, and some people loved it. Some people were like, yeah, this is great. And some people were like, dude, you're a tool. And, you know, I mean, at some point it got, it got really bad, you know, but, um, but yeah, it, his style was, uh, was very unique. I mean, style meaning, how he went about it and then him teaching classes about doing that. So you get all these people who have done his classes shooting in a very similar fashion all over the streets of LA. So there's a reason the homeless and other people don't like photographers in LA and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, I, 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 that's my sense, right? I mean, he literally is on video putting his camera in people's faces saying, I'm going to make you famous. And it's like, really dude <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah it, uh, I think people did not respond well in, in LA to that that's for sure there's definitely it's a little harder to street, shoot street now here I think because people are more wary um, right right wary of it and that, that sort of like predatory shooting style 
exactly. Well, you know, this is where iPhones come in handy or smartphones, and that's going to be the new street camera of choice. Watch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie. Uh, uh, the stuff I just <laughs> shot in New York last week because I, I made that regretful decision to not take my digital camera at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm just going to go only shoot my rangefinder. It's going to be awesome. And and I like my rangefinder work, but I was regretting not having the digital. And I shot a ton of stuff on my iPhone. And it's, it has become sort of the the bulk of the images that I'm going to do something with from that trip because mm. because it worked. Yeah. And iPhones have automatic face detection now. It makes shooting street photography almost so much easier I'm, I'm sad to admit but the, the thing i care about the most is actually in focus yeah i'm looking forward to the ipro 11 or the 11 pro i mean the iphone 11 pro sorry anyway back to 20 back to the 2238 <laughs> back to i'm sorry guys i always do this <laughs> damn it Ed. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. All right, I think uh, let, yeah, let's wrap it up. Unless anyone else has anything in closing they want to to put out there. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, I've well, rolled. Um, I've rolled over thirty five rolls today. <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm doing the one hundred speed. The four hundred speed's already done. Or the don't go on this, should I say? It's all done. That is freaking hilarious. <laughs> okay, uh, that's all I got. That's too good. All right, um, Ian, do you want to share any of your socials with people so they can find your work and um, grab a copy sure. of your Fabrica zine and, or any other zines that you have up for sale right now? Yeah, uh, so barnabynut.com is my blog. Um, mostly photography stuff on there. There's a link to the Etsy shop on there. And, uh, yeah, that's usually where I tend to post things. Um, photography stuff and photo book reviews. It seems to be becoming more of a thing that I'm doing on there as well. So, yeah, check it out. Nice. I'm, I'm going to and, – and I hope you let us know if um, if you if you do redesign that – Fabrica zine and, and take something out or add something in. I'm not sure what you're going to do with it, but I'd I'd be curious to see a, any updated vision on that. So I hope you I hope you let us know so I can buy another copy. Oh sure, yeah, oh, I, I will do. That would be that would be really cool to see. Um, okay, guys. Well, I cool. thanks for your time. Totally appreciate you being on here. And um, oh, and also, uh, you know, good luck uh, moving forward with the. I can never say it's so damn hard. The Viewfinder Vikings podcast. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's it. You've got it. Maybe, yeah, maybe we need a cool uh, abbreviation like you guys have got. You know. <laughs> you lick. You lick. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't everybody call it that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I that's mean, I call, call it, it. you lick. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the, the viewfinder Vikings has been fun. I, I, I like the way that Sven tends to talk about. Um, uh, projects rather than rather than gear, so uh, that that was why I was keen to sort of get on there and and uh, record with him. Although we 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 I think we are the laziest film photography podcast out there because we <laughs> kind of get around to it sort of once a month uh, at the moment. So. Uh, but yeah. uh, but it, I think it keeps it it keeps it interesting, and I I really appreciated your um, sort of live update one from I think what you were in Poland, I think yeah. you're 
kind of outside doing that. And I, I, I particularly sort of love those in the same way that, you know, I'm the photographer that I follow your Instagram feed. If you tell me what you had for lunch and where your favorite coffee shop is. And if your Instagram feed is only your professional work, I, I tend to like not avoid it, but I, it's just not as fascinating to me. So I, I like that. Um, I guess that more homegrown approach that, uh, that you're adding to the podcast. So, um, at least a vote from me. I, I, I love that to That's feel like I was with you in a street corner somewhere yeah. having a conversation. I've had some, some really good feedback on that episode that the fact that they could hear kind of this crowd of Spanish tourists being told all about the, the Royal palace in Warsaw in the background. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a fun fun thing to do, sitting in the sunshine, just just chatting away. So uh, yeah, mm. not sure I'll do too much of that in Ireland because it's too much. So. Yeah, because because it's pretty quiet out there. Oh, it's it's, it's the weather's shocking. <laughs> it's really bad. But anyway. All right, guys. Uh, it's been great chatting with you. We'll let everyone go, and um, we'll catch you online at some point. Cool. Yeah. yeah thank, thanks for having cool. me. Cool. All right, yeah, okay. okay. Bye. 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 And that's a wrap for this week. You can see Ian's work in the Ultra Low ISO Club Facebook group or on our Instagram feed at ultra.low.iso.club. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode or have questions and comments, please feel free to reach us at the Ultra Low ISO Club Facebook group or ultralowisoclub at gmail.com. And we'd like to thank Dwayne Crowder for allowing us to use his song, Misconceptions, as our bumper music. 